This is Todd from the Junkyard Outreach. From time to time, there is explicit material in the scriptures that I believe is relevant to the topic at hand. This episode contains explicit content. Thank you. Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. So the first murder in Scripture is right after the fall of man, when Adam gave allegiance to the devil by obeying and following him rather than God. And that set in motion an avalanche of problems for the human race. And Adam would see his own consequences unfold before his eyes, namely that his life was now going to be hard and out of the place God had prepared for him and his wife. He would also see Cain, his son, murder Abel, his other son. So for those interested in studying the Old Testament, there is no shortage of evil described in the 39 books which make it up. Killing is something that seems to be an ever-present part of the story of humanity as a whole in the time of the Old Testament and all the way up to our current day. But why all the killing? The Old Testament is considered holy by many, including myself, but yet it's filled with all of this evil, and it seems that love and grace and mercy are somewhat absent. The answer is that love, grace, and mercy are all over the Old Testament. And it's in these evil days that we see the hand of God moving and showing mercy. But we must remember that God is holy, and we're not. When he exercises wrath, it's an act of divine judgment, and holiness cannot be unrighteous. So when judgment is appropriate and God pours out wrath, it's righteous. And when that judgment involves death, which in the Old Testament and the New Testament, but just not as much, it's a solemn reminder that in this existence on earth, as well as the future existence in eternity, the evil that we do requires a payment. We have to pay for that evil because until our evil is paid for, there is no place in the house of God for people who are evil. And that's where the cross comes in. Jesus dying on that cross was God's way of paying for that evil for us because we couldn't pay the debt, so that now we could be redeemed from evil and be made righteous in Jesus. And Jesus paid the price for our evil. And now, as the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That evil that has separated us from God has now been taken out of the way by the blood sacrifice which served as a substitute for us so that we may not have to pay the death penalty for our sin. And because we are now connected to God through faith in Jesus and filled with his Holy Spirit, we have access to God and his throne of grace where we can obtain mercy from him. That's a real good thing. But for those who refuse this gift, they have to pay for their own sin forever, and that's not good. That's what Revelation chapter 20, the great white throne judgment, is all about. People were judged according to their works. It's payback time. So one way or another, our evil will be paid for. Either we pay for it ourselves in eternity, or Jesus paid for it on the cross. And paying for murder in eternity, that's going to have a heavy price. And it's interesting that many outside of the church, they've heard of the Ten Commandments, or at least one or two, murder and adultery. And unbelievers, typically, what's interesting, they can even quote the King James, saying, Thou shalt not kill. Kind of like what they do when they want to avoid people judging them for the bad things that they do. They quote Matthew 7, 1, judge not that ye be not judged. And they quote this in the King James as well. I think it's kind of funny that they know the commandments they try to use to avoid being criticized for their wickedness. But when it comes to verses calling them to repentance, they seem to draw a blank. According to Hebrew scholars in Exodus 20, where it says, thou shalt not kill, that's old King James. 
It's actually written saying simply, no murder, no adultery, etc. Killing or homicide, our legal definition of taking another person's life, is not categorically condemned. There are times in the scriptures when taking another person's life is appropriate, necessary, and approved by God, who is our ultimate judge. And we see some pretty violent deaths by God's chosen people. And one example is in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And the backstory is there was a nation or a people group called the Amalekites. Several hundred years earlier, the Israelites had come out of Egypt by the mighty hand of God. And on their way to the land God promised them, the Amalekites came out against them totally unprovoked, and tried to destroy them. And there was a big battle that was pretty fierce, and the Israelites ultimately defeated the Amalekites. Well, God didn't forget that battle, nor did he excuse the Amalekites in King Saul's day for their ancient hatred of his people and their continued attempts to war against them. So God now orders Saul to utterly destroy the Amalekite race, including children and all their animals. Wipe them out. So God tells Samuel, the last non-royal leader of Israel, to instruct the new king, King Saul, to wipe them out. And Saul goes out to battle and does that, but he spares the king and the best of the livestock for themselves. So he totally disobeys God in that. So God tells Samuel, hey, Saul spared the king and took a bunch of animals for himself and for the fighting men. Go deal with him. And Samuel confronts Saul about it, and Saul backpedals as fast as he can. And then Samuel calls for the Amalekite king, King Agag. But Agag or Agag, we don't know if it's a proper name or a title. Looks like it's probably more of a title. In 1 Samuel 15, 33, and Samuel said, and this is to the king Agag or Agag, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. And that's pretty dark. But the point that Samuel is making to the Lord is, Lord, I'm not only going to obey your words, but I'm going to do it as best and thoroughly and as complete as I can. And he did. He obeyed. So is this homicide justified or not? And in this context, God justified it because it was part of the judgment that he had declared for the Amalekites after giving them years to repent, but they didn't. And there's other stories as well. But the point is, there is a difference between killing a human and murdering them in God's eyes. Now, fast forward to our time where murder is not only poo-pooed in our minds, we actually pay money to watch people kill people on the screen. And yesterday I was visiting my parents and we were watching a game show and the show came to an end and the next thing on TV was this crime show that kind of caught me off guard. The opening scene, only about a minute or so after the annoying commercials ended, was a couple of guys pulling up and shooting to death a well-dressed man in a nice car at close range with high-powered weapons. And then to cap it off, no pun intended, one of the shooters shoots the victim in the head at close range again with a handgun, very graphic depiction of it, as if to put the icing on the cake. And this is about a 20 to 30 second scene on primetime TV at 8 o'clock at night where everyone, including children, can watch this. Now, there's a reason I don't watch a lot of TV unless it's like restoring cars or something like that. And that is all of the stuff that we see on that screen enters our mind and lodges itself in our subconscious. The enemy can use that. And that disgusting TV scene is now in my head, even though I just happened to glance at it for a few seconds. And at the end, I'm like, all right, I'm out. I left. I don't want to watch that. I was mad because now I've got that scene in my head. And for many people, they have not seen people shot to death. They haven't smelled the blood, which smells like a butcher shop. And I've got a lot of butchers in my family, and I've been to a lot of butcher shops. They don't see the expressions on the deceased's face or the urine-soaked clothes. But for those who have experienced this, it's horrible. It's not cool. 
nor is it something a reasonable person would find any good or pleasure in. So why do we obsess over media violence? Why do parents allow their children to play video games for hours on end where killing people is the objective? Why do we watch war footage where people are decimated with a 50 cal and then we cheer when it happens? The answer, we love violence. Our culture is so saturated with many violent-minded people that has just hijacked their ability to love, show empathy, or respect others. And think about your own mind and how many times the thought of killing someone has entered it. And this has brought the minds of many to a level where their thinking is so primitive now and so skewed, they can sink so low that they become animal-like in their thinking. And we're not the only society to have experienced this. Ancient Rome was the same, only their violence was not shown on screens. Rather, it was displayed at the Colosseum, where real people, including children, were torn apart by real animals while the crowds cheered. And gladiators were not these fierce warriors who competed for their honor. They were often criminals forced to fight it out to the death so the crowds could find their entertainment. Rome was infected with a debased mind that, ironically, Paul mentions in the first chapter of his letter to whom? Yep, the church at Rome. They had the same issues that we do, and we see how Rome began to disintegrate. And at the same time, enemies began to attack Roman-controlled areas, forcing them to retreat, revealing their moral decline was now becoming their power decline. So the obsession with violence that has polluted the minds of so many in our culture is having a huge impact on our society for the worse. And it's because our minds have become debased. Like Paul says, God gave them over to a debased mind. And he gives this list that we may do well to read and compare not only to our own society, but ourselves as well. So let's take a quick test and let's see how many of these things convict us. Romans 1, 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Does that make you sit there and go, hmm, kind of sounds familiar. So is there a solution? Yes, there is. Acts 3.19, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you Jesus. The part of that repentance is understanding where our minds are with respect to God's will. If it's in the gutter, it needs to be renewed or made new again, coming back to that innocence of a pure and uncontaminated mind. If we long for a pure mind, then we must see the world's delicacies as contrary to God's will and avoid them. And violence is something we need to get out of our minds. Romans 12.2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The battle is in the mind. Garbage in, garbage out. Take back your mind. Repent. Get the violence out. Get the movies out. Get all that stuff out. Realize it's debasing your mind. Thank you.